0: You know, we talk a lot on this show about uh, police officer mental health and police officer performance, and I wanted to bring in somebody who can talk both the mental health side of things, the tactical side of things, and, uh, and provide us some updates on some different alternatives to be able to make police officers more resilient, more tactically sound, and just be better cops and better humans so they can not only su- serve their communities, but they can be people that their families wanna see coming home every night after their shift. Uh, so I want you to meet Jessica Crowley. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Hey, Great. so we were,
1: we were cops in the same uh, Chicago suburbs. Tell us a little about your career. I was hired back in 1994. And was hired by Bartlett Police Department. It's thirty miles west of Chicago, and not far from where you were from, and spent twenty seven years, retired two years ago, and was a sergeant for eighteen of those years, and specialized in the crisis intervention and wellness arena so when when you, look
0: at you know almost three decades of law enforcement, what differences do you see in the way that we just
1: deal with our own mental health as cops? There's definitely more awareness now than there used to be. And agencies are developing programs internally with peer support programs, which have been outstanding. They're bringing in social workers, our agency. We actually had our own police psychologist just for us. And she was contracted and the guys loved it. She would walk in and be very busy. Um, So I think there's been a great transition over the last uh, 20 years to support law enforcement on the wellness side of things. Definitely there's, we have a lot more to go but it's great
0: well and when you talk about having a police psychologist or a <laughs> police social worker and we always had a my agency from the day that i got hired in 1980 we had police social workers there's this myth in the media that cops don't want any help either for us or for our citizens in the mental health arena and nothing could be further from the truth right i agree
1: i agree as a matter of fact i mean, it' it is it is welcomed uh, across both both the civilian side for the residents and and in the internal side with our personnel now when you uh,
0: talk about being on the crisis intervention team I was on ours as well um again explain to folks that uh, because you are crisis intervention trained as a police officer doesn't mean you're going to, or, or able to go out and diagnose people's mental health issues, right? What's the advantage of a, a CIT
1: trained cop? Sure, uh, for me, it was career changing. I didn't learn how to truly become a great officer until I went to crisis intervention training about 13 years into my career. And it really enables law enforcement to use different active listening skills, communication techniques, um, be educated about mental health, I knew nothing about it. It opened my eyes in so many ways. And the bonus was is it allows us to connect with resources throughout our counties to be able to provide that to the residents in lieu of potentially making arrests. So um, oftentimes people who aren't trained in crisis intervention will talk too loud or they'll invade the space of somebody who's in a crisis And with crisis intervention, it really gives you a lot of tools to be able to walk in and not escalate a scene, therefore keeping everybody a lot safer. Um, And there are great stories that come out of people using those resources that we give them as far as treatment and addiction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you weren't uh, just a cop. You're an athlete as well and still are, right? I, I am, yes. And you have taken that that love of sports and all your experience as a police officer and
1: and you've created a new pathway for yourself, a new career. Talk about that. I, you know, there's so many similarities between law enforcement, um, firefighting, just first responders in general and athletes. I mean, we're essentially, we're tactical athletes, everything that we do, athletes do and vice versa. So Uh, performing under pressure, the stress, the um, motivation, the exhaustion, fatigue, and I became a performance coach in addition to becoming a certified hypnotist, heart math practitioner, and brain spotting practitioner, and I work with athletes and first responders both to go from where they are to where they want to be. And it's really, really pretty cool because they use the resources they have within themselves to get there.
0: You and I were talking about this uh, off camera, but um, my husband, Dave Smith, I learned 40 years ago from him that we should be treating cops more like athletes. Talk about some of the similarities that you see as a performance
1: coach. Oh, the need for... um... The consistency as far as training, making sure you work that into your schedule, the need for adequate sleep, <laughs> nutrition, um, and under, really understanding how your physiology works. I think that's one thing that we can grow in law enforcement is how, how our body works and why we feel the way we feel. Um, so there, there are so many, in order to perform at your peak, you need to have all of these things, not just, not just one day, but every day, every day. And it takes a commitment. Athletes commit. They're driven to commit to themselves, to get better, to grow themselves in their sport. And in law enforcement, we need to do the exact same thing.
0: Now, one of the things, and I want you to explain this to people, because one of the things we're seeing, especially now in law enforcement, Um, is we are seeing a lowering of physical standards to even become a police officer. And um, the former uh, head of training for the NYPD famously said a few months ago uh, that she wanted to get rid of the mile and a half run uh, fitness test because no cop ever runs a mile and a half in chasing someone. Explain to people why we need to be cardiovascularly fit and physically fit in general to be a good police officer, even though it's true that we probably don't chase somebody ever for a mile and a half. And as a patrol officer, as a detective, you spend a lot of time sitting. Explain why fitness is so important.
1: The ability to handle chronic stress. And our body needs exercise. We we talk about... um circumstances the new york circumstances running a mile and a half it's not about that All, our wellness our mental health is so intertwined with the need for physical fitness physical health to offset the cortisol that we get when we're under stress and that happens even when our radio goes off just just the mere radio transmission our heart rate variable, how, what our heartbeat looks like changes. Um, And there's a whole, there's studies that's for a different day, but that physical fitness allows us to make sure that our head brain, our heart brain and our gut brain that controls our digestion uh, is all functioning and working together so that we can optimize our, our health. So, We benefit in so many ways from physical fitness. And if you don't start your career like that and get in a good routine, if there are no standards, you will see a massive decline in the mental health and wellness of law enforcement across the country.
0: In other words, this is something that we should be starting in the academy and then continuing forward for somebody's entire career, right?
1: It has to be a want. Um, for me it was an extension of my workday. As you guys went to, I believe we were on 12s and every every day I would wake up at three, I'd be at the gym at four o'clock, I'd get my workout in, I'd go to work, um, or I'd do the opposite and leave work and go. So when I changed, I knew I, it was still at work. I was still working. So that my workout became an extension of my work day because I owed it to myself. I owed it to my family and I owed it to the people I worked with and I owed it to the community. So it's super, because we, it's difficult to make good decisions when you're not physically fit because of the connections between our emotional and mental health.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you are exhausted, when you are over caffeinated, when you are stressed out of your mind. Uh, you may not make the best decisions. And, you know, what what we're seeing, what we see in the media now all the time is, you know, police officers are expected to be, you know, near perfect. And yeah. uh, and it's difficult to be, you know, to display perfection, if you will, when, like you said, you know, you're on that 12-hour shift. And because, you know, right now, nine out of every 10 police departments are short-staffed. So if you're on an agency that's working 12 hour shifts or 10 hour shifts, there's a real good chance that you're working far more than 40 hours a week and uh, um, that you don't have a lot of days off. And that exhaustion can have a lot of problems, not just mentally, but also from a motor programming standpoint, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think to your point, people who are listening think, well, Gosh, how do I do that? If I'm working twelves and I have overtime constantly, we're shorthanded, I need to get home, spend some time with my family, go to sleep. like what what are those options? And there are so many other options to working your heart muscles, working your body in a different way. It doesn't have to be a half an hour at the gym. Um, that was my choice. That was what I enjoyed. It could be taking the stairs instead of an elevator. It could be taking a a little bit of a walk. It could be meditating. It could be visualizing. It could be doing breath work, which we don't teach enough as far as the reasons behind how breath work works our heart muscles. So there are so many different ways we can quote work out without having to necessarily go to a gym. Now, police
0: officers again I started in 1980 and when I went to the academy you know we were told you know don't talk about any of the stuff you see at work with anybody especially your family you know except just talk to talk to your coworkers, right talk to each other by the time you went to the police academy we were starting to talk a little bit more about police officer mental health and now as we see you know the rises in police suicide and and things like that, and the last three years of the vilification of law enforcement and how that has negatively impacted our mental health, we're seeing um, a lot more openness um, about police officer mental health. We're seeing a lot more police leaders try and address the issue, but cops are still very hesitant, uh, very often, to uh, to get help, to have to take p- part in traditional talk therapy talk about some of the alternatives
1: sure um there's there's meditation there's hypnosis which people are afraid of and and I'm a cop I'm a hypnotist and I'm telling you it is the greatest most wonderful feeling in the world to just let your body be in a full state of relaxation there is really it it's amazing um there's heart math which is working your heart to make sure that you're your autonomic nervous system is in balance, which is super important to us, is law enforcement. And um, there's performance coaching, and there are so many. I, there's so many different resources that we can tap into. Um, even something as simple as improv. Going and taking a class in improv, and laughing and creating those good chemicals, but yet getting benefits that help us in our job, like having us be even safer, um, being more accepting of others, uh, having tools with that help us without being biased. You know, we go through the bias training. Improv is a one-stop shop. As crazy as that sounds, it's so effective. It's fun. You can do it with a spouse. You can do it with one of your kids. Um, so those are a lot of the different options. And I don't think that we we teach people what those options are. We, we go right to a psychologist or a social worker, which are wonderful. So needed. There's lots of value, but there's a lot of value in a lot of the other resources as well. Now you
0: are, you're a performance coach. Um, And so when we think about a traditional coach, you know, we're thinking, you know, you're there, you know, yelling at a basketball team to, you know, do this and do that and do this play and that play. I do Um, that. Yeah. And you do that. that (laughs) So talk about what it's like to um, be a performance coach for. You know, just normal working adults. Like, tell me what that looks like.
1: Oh, it, it's awesome. Um, we are such amazing human beings that have so much, uh, so many tools inside of us that we just don't know how to use. And we don't even know they exist. And I, I'm not a social worker. I'm not a psychologist. I don't counsel people and tell them what to do. I ask them, what would be the best thing that you could leave here with? And they tell me, and then I give them tools to create those emotions or feelings or goals that they want so that when they leave, they leave feeling differently.
0: Yeah, I think that is uh, so much less intimidating um, really to anyone and especially to someone you know a police officer or even a retired police officer who's used to being so in control um that's one of the things that you deal with right because we tend to be real control freaks right and 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 i would assume people who are athletes are as
1: well yes yes and the more you know along with control is perfectionism so you kind of get both of them in one little area and that is really difficult for mental health and the more control we want, the less control we really have because we're not seeing everything around us. So when I work with law enforcement, we do a lot of different um, interactive activities to let them feel what being vulnerable is and that you actually have so much more control when you lean into vulnerability. It's not letting your guard down. It's not being weak. It's allowing your your vision, your hearing, your body to see everything that's around you so you can make better, faster, quicker decisions. Now, how do you how do
0: you talk a cop into being vulnerable? I just, I, you know, I think about that and I almost shudder because I think, well, gosh, what does that look like tactically? What does that look like um, physically? How do you accomplish that?
1: I I experienced it and went through it and use those tools. I mean, I the process isn't always pleasant. It's not always fun. So you take ways to create and make those moments really fun in not game situations, but if I were to ask you to look around the room and pick out everything that was black in your office and you have 30 seconds, then I said, okay, close your eyes. And tell me everything that's red. Well, you only see what you're focused on. And when we want control, we only see what we focus on. But if I were to ask you right now to pick out everything that was black in your office, I guarantee you'd see things that are red, that were blue, that were green. Right? Yeah. Wow. So that that just that little exercise we get to use to say, in what way can we enhance this in your life.
0: What do you think the most difficult mental health issue is for the American law enforcement officer?
1: I might stir up some controversy, Betsy, on this one. Um, I really believe it's the inability of us to look inside of ourselves to get what we want from ourselves. We've always been people who look to the outside in order to say, well, the culture's bad. The morale is bad. Um, They're making me frustrated. There are so many things that we can do within ourselves, and we can only control one person and that's us. Does the environment help? Of course it does. Does uh, some of the internal stress of the organization where we want to feel valued and have a sense of purpose play a role 100% So when we look at a lot of the conflict and frustration in law enforcement, I always tell people the problem is never the problem. There's always something underlying. I knew it was time for me to retire when I was in conflict with the beliefs and values of our administration. It was, I I knew I couldn't change the beliefs and values they had, but they didn't align with what I had. And therefore that was my frustration in my position. So I knew what I I wanted and I left, I retired um, by choice, nothing mad or angry. So really there's so many ways that we as individuals can say, Hey, it's easy to blame everything else and look at the extrinsic uh, components of our emotional state. Let's be real. And let's look intrinsically. How do we show up? And one of those is knowing that we are not our job. The job is what we do. So we're not our title. So who are you? Wow, right? Who are you? When you show up every day, who are you? They're like, I'm a cop. Well, no, that's what you do. Like, who are you? I'm a husband. No, no, that's a title. And so we live to fulfill this title and to fill other people's expectations of what we think we should do and who we should be without knowing who we are and what our values and our sense of purpose are.
0: I love it. I love it. That is such a great answer. Where can people find out more about you and your coaching and, uh, and get some of that fantastic advice that you're throwing out there.
1: Great. I have a website. It's aspirewinningedge.com, aspire winning com. A S P I R E winning edge.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook under Jessica Crowley. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and
0: talking about these issues that affect American law enforcement and affect the society that we are trying to help protect. And if you would like more information about us, visit nationalpolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down!